Amen. 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 Let's take our seats just for a moment. Oh, it's Remembrance Sunday this morning, and uh, it's an opportunity to never forget. And I think uh, something about this day and something about what Christ has done for us, uh, the, the two come together. And that's my message this morning, is what is the work of Christ and what has he done for us and how we should remember that and be thankful for that. Amen? Uh, We've uh, been doing a little series on the cross and what the cross means. Um, how many remember I did cross and the victory of God? And then I did uh, cross and the freedom that we have in Christ. And then wonderful message from Pastor Joseph last week. Um, talking about our advocate, and uh, if you haven't listened to any of these, you can catch them on the podcast, you can catch them on YouTube, or however you catch up with things, and have a listen to them, and uh, we're going to continue this morning and talk about the cross and the sacrifice. What has Jesus done for us, and how can we remember him? And uh, we were talked about how we got the Old Testament, or we call it Scripture, and that's what Jesus called it, Scripture, and how Jesus was fulfilling Scripture and fulfilling prophecies in Scripture that he would be um, this sacrificial lamb. And uh, John the Baptist recognized this, didn't he? He says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And when you start reading Scripture in the light of what Jesus' work and what he's done, it suddenly just comes alive. And you could pick up a book like Isaiah. Isaiah's written during a time of exile. And there's actually three books of Isaiah, but I won't go into all of that. Um, and uh, it's speaking to a generation at that time. It's speaking to those in exile. It's speaking of a future hope that the redemption would come. And redemption did come, and they did come back. And uh, if you remember in Ezra, when Ezra starts reading the law uh, and how they wept, how because they were so far from God's plan, they were so far from the things that God had for them, and they wept and they cried in repentance as, they, as the law was written, as things were being restored. And of course, the, the words of Isaiah fulfilled almost, not almost immediately, but in the immediate fulfillment. But also Jesus picks them up and he says, this is for today. This is the fulfillment in your ears now. This is the year of the Lord's favor. This is the time for freedom. And I, that was a couple of weeks ago I spoke about that one. And uh, it's no coincidence that Jesus, um, his, his death, his resurrection was around the time of the Passover. Passover, you understand, if you've got any understanding of Jewish culture, Jewish history, the coming out of slavery, out of Egypt, is the most fundamental story that there is, and everything and all their experiences, they kind of relate back to, you know, remember the God who brought us out of Egypt. Remember the God that saved us and brought us into the promised land. And, of course, Jesus is picking all this up, and in, during Passover, they were to put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, and the angel of death would pass over those households covered in the blood. And then you can imagine Jesus picking up the cup and at this crucial time and saying, you know the Exodus story, you know the blood that saved them? Well, this is my blood that is saving you. But this is a new covenant that I'm 
uh, instigating, and you should do this in remembrance of me. And um, yeah, I, I could go on and on. And if you know me well, that's perfectly true. My main scripture this morning is from John 15, verse 13. And uh, let's have it up there. No one has greater love than this, than to lay one's life down for one's friends. As I said, this is Remembrance Sunday. This is a time we remember the sacrifices of those who fought and died in, in wars, uh, going back from World War I right through to World War II and uh, in wars subsequent. Subsequent. Can't even say that word. We remember the sacrifices were made. We remember them. We never forget those who gave their lives and have made sacrifices to make our life possible. The context of this scripture of laying down one's life for another or one's friend from John 15. And if you know the book of John, uh, John was very close to Jesus. And um, he had a kind of an inside knowledge, didn't he, I think, um, the way he lay, lay on his uh, ch- chest as they ate together. Um, what a privileged place that, that John had. And then John became the one to look after Mary. And uh, obviously when he went to Ephesus and the, he was a pastor and leader of the church there, Mary was with him. Very honorable place that John had. And John's uh, retelling what Jesus is doing in John 15. And he's talking about staying connected. He's talking about I am the vine, you are the branches, remain in me. Uh, obey my commandments, do what I tell you, remain in me, and most importantly, love one another. And the love for one another is this willingness or ability to lay one's life down uh, for friends. And he says to them, love each other as I have loved you. And of course, it's not long after that that Jesus does indeed lay his life down. He says, I lay my life down. No one is taking this from me. And because I lay my life down, I'm able to take it up again. But this is the context of Jesus saying, stay connected, speaking to those close to him just before he's to lay his life down. And he urges his followers to have this kind of love. And the Apostle Paul picks this up in, in one of his letters, I think it's Ephesians, and he says, loving, the standard of love for one another, a husband, a wife, that standard is the mount is the standard of the way that Christ loves the church. Uh, I think that's a wonderful message for, for those husbands. I'm a husband, I can take this message. Um, I'll be tested on it later, I can guarantee it. Thank you, Roz. Uh, that a husband loves a wife as Christ loves the church. And We know that Christ laid his life down for the church, giving of his life for another. I think that's a high standard of relationship. I don't know about you. But to demonstrate that same level of love and commitment for one another, it's like Jesus would teach, uh, you know, go the extra mile, turn the other cheek, um, to give to those who are in need and to lay one's life down as a sacrifice for another. But, of course, sacrifice has a much, much bigger meaning to it. Um, We've been discussing the meaning and the value of the cross and what the work of the atonement, the atonement, that word atonement means to cover. 
and what the different metaphors are, the victory of Christ, the freedom that we have in Christ. But today is, is about the sacrifice. And the idea of sacrifice goes right back to the beginning. You know, we see Cain and Abel making sacrifices, and one of them is acceptable and one of them's not. Um, but it goes back further than that. When Adam and Eve chose their own path, chose their own way, God covered them with the skin of an animal. They realized that they were ashamed and they were naked and they tried in their own efforts to cover themselves with leaves. Um, but how many know in our own efforts we try and cover our guilt and our shame? You know, it doesn't do a very good job. And, and God comes in and he has to sacrifice an animal and he covers them with the skin of the animal. And of course, you know that the, the blood is there. And this is, um, it's important to understand in this culture what it meant to sacrifice. Of course, we don't do those sacrifices anymore. We don't um, ritualistic sacrifice animals to cover our sin. Um, but God had this, you know, woven through the Scripture. If you look at the importance of sacrifice, you know, from, from God right there in the beginning through to Cain and Abel, through to Noah, through to Abraham. Abraham really understood uh, what, it, what covenant meant, and what it meant to cut a covenant. And uh, Abraham met with the Lord, and um, the Lord spoke to him through those sacrifices. And we know the story, don't we, of Isaac, his beloved son, that he, God, as a test, says to him, take up your son, your only son, Isaac, to the mountain, and sacrifice him to me. And you can imagine Isaac carrying the wood, because that's what it says. He carried the wood up the top of the mountain, and Isaac innocently says, Lord, where is the sacrifice. You know, we've got the wood, we've got the knife, we've, you know, we've got everything, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham, yeah, he doesn't, he said, the Lord will provide. And that's the word Jehovah Jireh, or Yireh, the Lord shall provide. And they said, even said today, in the mountain of the Lord, the Lord will provide. And of course, we know there was that substitute lamb that was there uh, miraculously to take the place of Isaac. The symbolism, I tell you, you cannot miss. You know, Abraham was willing to give up his only son. And, and God, too, was willing to give up his only son to atone, to cover. And, of course, if you read Hebrews, the, the skin, uh, the blood and, um, uh, of animals is insufficient in the sense that the they had to continually sacrifice. But then it speaks of Christ's sacrifice once and for all time. You see, the problem was that these humans allowed evil to enter into the world by following their own plan rather than God's plan. But God had a plan to, it would be the seed of the woman, he said, that would crush evil, that would deal finally with this evil. But it, of course, it would cost it cost him everything. It meant sacrificing himself for humankind. But this theme of sacrifice, this theme of um, what this meant is all culminating and reaching into the ultimate sacrifice, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus' sacrifice. I've only got two quick points this morning um, about the atoning or the atonement of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. What does it mean? What did it mean? What does it mean? And how do we then participate in this idea of sacrifice. Jesus uses the words of Isaiah when he said, I came to serve and give my life in ransom for many. And that word ransom is, is, refers to the sacrifice. It's all over the New Testament. We hear about 
Jesus' death as an atoning sacrifice for us, covering the debt that the humans owed to God for contributing towards all the evil that's in the world. And you don't need much convincing that there's evil in the world. One thing we know in life that, that, that there is suffering and there is pain. And if we've experienced evil and we've experienced this from a world that's so corrupt, then we can understand evil. That's what Jesus teaches, doesn't he? Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. But the same evil that we see around us is linked to every human being. We could say within us is the potential as a human being to do things wrong. The potential is there for us to go our own way, to, to go astray like the sheep that I read the other time from Isaiah. Each of us turning to our own way. If within us is the potential to allow evil in through all these desires, uh, following our selfish uh, desires, allowing evil to flourish, God has to deal with evil. And it could be you say, God, why don't you just take it out of the world once and for all? Well, the problem with that is if within us lies the potential for evil, then what's God going to do with us? Has he got to finish with us? Has he got to end the world? Has he got to send some flood and take out all the human beings that ever did anything evil or had the potential to be evil and start again? Well, he promised he wouldn't do that, and the sign of the rainbow is that. He put the bow in the sky to say he would not do that again. And Joseph spoke last week, didn't he, about Moses. And God's, uh, Moses on the mountain with God, and God says, come on, let's wipe this lot out. We'll start again with you. And Moses is like, no, 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 you're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You're the God of Israel. These are your children. These are your promises. And intercedes, doesn't he, and, and atonement. You have to listen to Joseph's message to get more of that. But the New Testament brings this, way of dealing with evil that is through the blood of Jesus Christ, through his death providing this purification, because not only are we contaminated with evil, it seems the world around us is also contaminated with evil. So we hear about the blood of Jesus. The blood is a symbol of his life, and it has the ability to wash away the evil that is within us and the evil that's around us that we're able to live at peace with God. This goes back to a, uh, in the scripture where they'd take the blood of the animal and they would sprinkle it um, over the, the doorposts, over the tents, and over the um, different things in the, in the temple. And it's a symbol of, of the life. And the life of Christ, his very blood, is that which symbolically comes on us and in us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness, the Scripture says. But the New Testament goes one further, and it says this claim that Jesus' death was not final. He rose from the dead. and that So he is the sacrifice that broke the power of death and evil, which means he lives continually now to offer to us his life to anyone who will accept him. He is the perfect sacrifice with which all the previous sacrifices had been pointing to all along. A second point is how do we participate today? We, don't, we no longer offer animal sacrifices, but we do have baptism. 
and we do celebrate the Lord's Supper. In the New Testament, it's given these two new rituals that Jesus taught his disciples to perform. The baptism is that symbolic entry into Jesus' death. When we go into the water, we're entering into his death. When we come out of the water, we are entering into his resurrection life. And this is our personal connection that we have to his death. And coming out that water, we come into a place of new life. We come into that place of resurrection. The baptism ritual is how we join our story with Jesus' death and resurrection. The second is the Lord's Supper, which is the reenactment of Jesus' last meal at Passover with his disciples, where he takes the bread and he takes the wine to portray his coming death and his sacrifice. Now, when the followers of Jesus take the bread and take the cup, they do it in remembrance to participate in that death and resurrection. But these rituals more do more than just going through the motions. These rituals connect us with the very life of God. The same power, the very power that rose Christ from the dead is working in us. I tell you, if we could just even glimpse a little bit of what it means to have the resurrection power of Christ in our lives, then I think we can transform. We can change. And people today, they say, you know, be happy with who you are. You are who you are. You can't change. But then they get hold of the transforming power of Jesus Christ, enters into their life, and they are changed forever. And then the testimony, isn't it? I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was lost in sin and darkness. I was far from God, but now I've been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Now I am part of his family. Now I share in the inheritance with the saints because of what Jesus has done for me. I'm preaching much better than your amening. I've got, I've got to say that. Thank you. Sympathy, amens. I'll take them. These rituals are just not just rituals, are they? It's the same power that deals with the evil in our own lives and transform us into people of peace, of people of new life, followers of Jesus Christ. Amen? I am closing, but my closing is longer than point one and two. So I'm about halfway through as I close. No one has greater love than this, than to lay one's life down for one's friends. As I said, John wrote this, one of the closest guys to Jesus. It's amazing how he writes this letter, which we call 1 John. And um, in 1 John 16, he, 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 he's picking, 1 John 3.16, he's picking up his theme of John 3.16, which is a miracle because he didn't actually write chapters and, and he didn't actually write verses. They were added much later. Coincidence, maybe. There we go. Let me pick up one John for you. Three, and I'll, I'll go back to verse, verse 11. This is the message you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. I think there's a lot of continuity in what John is saying. The message in the beginning is that of love. We should love one another. And he goes on, he says, We should not be like Cain, who was from the evil one and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers righteous. Don't tell me there's not the capability of evil when you can see jealousy and hatred. 
in the world around us. Thank God there's an answer. Amen? Verse 16, he says, We know by this, we know what love is by this, that he, Christ, laid down his life for us. Therefore, we ought to lay our lives down for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods yet sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses help? Little children, let us not love just in word or speech, but truth and action. I tell you, there's this whole culture of virtual signaling, you know, that will bang on about an issue. I'll get in trouble if I talk about these things. They'll bang on about an issue, so I'll be nice and vague. They bang on about an issue, yet their life doesn't match up. And if they really wanted to do something about it, it would be more than just in word, in speech, but it would be in truth and in action. And I think our world needs to open their eyes to see the truth because there's deception. And where does deception come from? The evil one. Lord, let truth come through everything we do. Truth and action, not just words and speech. But this is the power of sacrifice. That sacrifice and love seem to go hand in hand. If we're not willing to sacrifice, then are we really in love? Do we really love one another if we're not willing to sacrifice? And, and John writes that God is love, and if you're born of God, you share in his love. But when we understand that it's possible to love to such a depth that no sacrifice is too big. No hardship, no challenge that we could face can stop this love. And when we understand how much God loves the whole world, that's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave. That word gave, you could say God sacrificed his only son. Why? So that anyone and everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. And then he talks about no condemnation. If they don't believe, they're condemned already. But it's not, will, not God's will that any go condemned. People say, why did a loving God send you know, people out of his presence into a hellish existence? God did everything possible, and more, and more. Yet in our unbelief, we refuse to accept his done for us. But not only do we have eternal life because of what Christ Jesus did in his sacrifice, but now we are children of God. You read that on in John, 1 John 3. He says we're no longer children of the devil. We don't belong to the evil or the source of evil around us. We no longer belong because now we have the love of God within us. And His perfect love just comes into our life because we believe. And we're going to live forever, eternally, with Him. That is some good news. But you have to accept Him. You have to accept 
Jesus Christ. You have to believe in him. And you have to personalize this and say, Jesus, I thank you that you died for my sin. And we're baptized, don't we? We're baptized as a symbol of what has actually happened in our participation with his death and his resurrection. And then every time we eat or drink, we take the body that was broken for us. We have to personalize this. It's all very well saying, yeah, God loves the whole world that he gave his only son. What happens if I said God loves me? Personalize it, internalize it, and say God loves us as a community of believers. God loves us. 1 John 3, 8. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. All that evil that we allowed in. We've got to take responsibility as humankind is that, you know, the evil isn't something that's just theoretically out there. The potential of evil is within. So we take responsibility for our own sin, our own shortcomings, our own failures. And say, God, I need you. I accept Jesus died for me. And Jesus Christ deals with these, destroys the works of evil. So we are given the awesome love of God. Born in sacrifice. That's how we understand how much that love is. Born in sacrifice. We're adopted into the family. We have the privilege and the responsibility. I love it when you've got to put those two together. You've got privilege, you've got responsibility. I spoke about freedom, didn't I, the other time? When you've got freedom, you've got responsibility. We have the privilege and the responsibility to share this love with others. To spread the love of God. To bring people into God's family. To bring them out of darkness. You know how you were. Because you know your own testimony. You know you were before God. Before God transformed you. Before God changed you. We have a privilege and responsibility to bring that same good news to others around us. To bring them into God's family. Now, we may not serve in the military. Maybe we don't ever have required of us to physically give our life for another. But I think we don't have to do that to understand the depth of love that God has for us. And sometimes, maybe in our own selfish ways, selfishness just leads to evil. James says, where do wars and fights come from among you? They come from unfulfilled desires that you have. This is why you war and you fight. What happens when we come out of selfish into selfless? What happens when we come into a mode of operandes that says, I'm willing to lay down my life. I'm willing to sacrifice. If I'm going to say that I love this, love this person, then I've got to be willing to lay my life down for that person. We understand the principles. We understand um, what Christ has done for us. Even though we may not physically have to take a bullet or physically lay our life down in a war, but we have this sacrificial 
example of love that Christ gave for us and by participating in baptism, by taking communion with our brothers and sisters collectively, saying we're going to remember what Christ has done for us. I think we step into the understanding and the knowledge of what Christ did in sacrifice on the cross. And we remember his death. That's what Jesus said. Remember my death until I come. Do this as often as remembrance for me. I think it's poignant that we have this Remembrance Sunday today. And I'm going to invite the band up in a moment. And we're going um, to do a song. And then at uh, 11 o'clock, around 11 o'clock, we're going to have that minute silence. And we're going to take that prayerfully. And I think we can understand that it was over 100 years ago that they, they call it the Great War. It's over 100 years ago now. Yet I still think it has value and importance to us to understand what, that, what happened. Now, I'm not pro-war. Not by, a long, not by a long shot. And I don't think by remembering the sacrifice of these people is, is, is that. I think it's with a thankful and a grateful heart. Amen? Lord Jesus, I thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us on the cross. That you revealed such a depth of love that we would love, we want to step into that love, into that understanding of that love that you have for us. That we are now brought near by what you've done. That we can participate by our baptism in your death and your resurrection. And that we can remember that your body was broken for us and your blood was shed for us, cleansing us, cleansing those around us with the sprinkling of your blood, cleansing from the evil that would try and get hold of us, giving us a new start, giving us covenant relationship with you in the resurrection. In Jesus' name.